Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. On the program today, we're going to split this between, well, two hours, obviously. The first hour, it's going to be the auction primer that we promised you. Frank and I will break down what you do in an auction how you accomplish that in the auction. We'll obviously give you ideas of what we're thinking about for our auction tomorrow night. And we'll give you, of course, some player values as well. Call in at 844-843-6879 for any auction questions. I don't want to hear anything else besides those auction questions. Our number two, well, that's also kind of obvious, right? We're going to talk football. Chris Venture will come upstairs, obviously, and Frank and I will give you, Frank, Chris and I will give you Everything you need to know about how we're feeling when it comes to the Giants and the Jets and all the other moves around the NFL uh, through the first two-ish days of free agency. We will get to all of that in hour number two because realistically, there's no way I was doing a show and not talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Frank was going to do a show and not talk about Le'Veon Bell. That was not going to happen. So that's how we're going to break it up. Hour number two will be all football. Hour number one will be the auction primer that we promised you. And listen, that you've asked for, right? You guys want to know what to do in an auction, how to accomplish that. We're going to help you because ultimately we're trying to help ourselves as well. With that, we'll bring in my BFF, Frankie Stample. What's going on, Frankie? Greg, hey, what's up, man? Happy hump day. First of all, I'm sorry, Greg, for everything that's going down. I know you just mentioned we're going to talk about it in hour two. Two New York football franchises. Moving in opposite directions. Yes, they are. Who would have ever thought? And not the direction yes, we're used are. to. So, that's going to be a lot of fun. Now I'm going to try and catch my breath and throw it back to you. Yeah, that's going to be great, Frank. I never thought we'd say this, but it's true. It's true. And it's true. It's damn true. But first hour, auction strategy. And I, yeah. I also will open it up to, and this is just for the entire show. If anybody has a fantasy baseball question... Graph-related, team-related, auction. I just said the opposite. I literally said, if you have a question, I want an auction-related, and that's it. That's all I want. This is the last time that we're on this week, so I want to help people if they have any questions. Frank's nicer than I am. Maybe because he's in a better mood than I am. I'm I'm a man of the people, Greg. I I know you advertise yourself as that, but it's not really true. And while we're on the topic, speaking of, you know, the people, there's a lot of people on this show that's coming back soon, Game of Thrones. Yes. Vip wanted me to ask you uh, if you could choose any family... To be in Game of Thrones, who would you be? Meaning, oh, if I could choose yes, a family? You could choose a family that you'd be. Mm, good question. Mm. You want to take some time to think about it. You can do you mind if I do? I, yeah, just, I, just, I need to think about it. What did you say? Or you don't want to tell me until I decide? Yeah, I'll wait until after I, I already answered. What family would I be? Let us know in the chat if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Mm. 
I think I would like first instinct. Again, you can take time if you want to. All right. Or you can tell me now if you know. I mean, I just tell me what my instincts are. Like, can I talk it out with you? Sure. So, like first instincts. I kind of like being part of like the Aaron family. Like, you know, Robin Aaron's obviously just like a little prick. Okay. But like those people, like super loyal. Things are kind of okay over there. And same with um, Lady Mormont's family. Like her career, like small, but loyal. I like that. Small and loyal. That's where my head's at. Okay. I mean, I just went with the easier answer. I mean, it's a Stark. They all die. Lannister. Dude, the Lannisters are all inbred, and I don't want to. Not all of them. Well, just a couple of them. <laughs> Tyrion. Is yeah. Not. I don't know. And like. T- but they have money. Not, they Tyrion's live in a great inbred. location. Tyrion's not inbred. It's, it's like, it's, I don't want to be in the north. I, I don't well, like the cold. I don't sure. want to be a star. Honestly, like Targaryen we're, we're could screwing have been up. cool, like dragons, whatever. But we're screwing we're like up. A dying this is not too. the answer, man. We want to be Mortels. That's where we want to be. We want to be. We want to be down there. That's what. Uh, that's the answer. Because Dorne's the best place. Dorne's the best place to live. Like all they do is yeah, fornicate and yes. live in great and drink. Weather. That's where you want to be. And not a bad answer. and I have gout just like he not, did. Not, not bad I have gout just like he did. Yeah, I'll give you Dorne. There you go. Those are really the only two answers. I agree. It's got to be Dorn. Right. <sighs> got to have attention to baseball for the next hour, huh? Yeah, yeah we got to jump in. <laughs> we got to jump in. We got a lot. We got a lot going on here. All right, right? We got a lot. We got a lot to do. So, so let's get into it. Frank, how do you win an auction? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Greg. Um, I think discipline, balance, preparation. Uh, it's all going to sound cliche, but these are all legitimately things that I do when I'm preparing for. My auctions, and it's currently what Greg and I are doing when we're preparing for our auction tomorrow night. We have a 15-team rotisserie auction, the GDD auction, uh, competing against some really stiff competition, too. I mean, Adam Ronis is in this. Dane and Nando share a team. Joe Pizzapia is in this league. Uh, Jen Piacenti, Ian Khan. It's a very, very stout league uh, tomorrow. And we've basically been spending the past uh, two days or so, and we're going to spend more time today basically prepping what we want our team to look like by the end of the auction. The auction is unique because it's the only it's the only fantasy format where you can legitimately plan what you want your team to be before the auction and walk away with that exact team. I actually heard the legend Lenny Melnick talking to Adam Ronis about this the other day because I know he's in one of the the mono leagues for for labor whether it's AL only or NL only and they were talking about how before the, before the auction, he basically knows what his team is going to look like at the end of the auction. And it's unique in that way because you can't really plan for a snake draft. You can try your best. I try all the time. And we don't, you know, and I know Scott used to say this a lot too, and it's, you want to try, you want to be ready for your snake draft, but you really got to be ready for anything. It's like you can't say, all right, well, I'm going to get, you know, Alex Bregman in the second round. I know he's going to be there because next thing you know, Alex Bregman is off the board and you're scrambling and you have no idea what's going on. In an auction, you can legitimately plan who you want before, and you can easily come away with all of those players if you want to. So I would say having discipline on your auction values, you have to know your auction values. That's that's another part of this as well. Whether you make them up your own, I mean, there's a ton of auction calculators out there. You go to fan graphs, you can you know punch in all your league settings, and they'll spit out some auction values. You can uh, you can look up uh, Bake Bealy's uh, auction values over at The Athletic. Uh, you can you can find some on Fantasy Pros. There are auction values. You have to 
you have to have your auction values down before it all, it all starts. You have to know how much these players are worth. I mean, I feel like I'm talking. But Go ahead, man. You're doing well. <laughs> I, I can just do a whole like an hour based on there's so much that goes into it. And we're going to get into like tips and tricks, like which kind of players we throw out. But I would say really the prep beforehand because I want to I want to zoom in on this here. Uh, let's see. Which one do I want to do? Let's do. All right. This is one of my home leagues. Okay. Let's. I'm a little. All right. It's kind of like Inception because you see myself too. Why don't you just take that off the screen, Frank? All right. Just put anything on there. Okay. Perfect. So here you go. I have a, uh, I have a notepad on Zoom my Zoom in here, Alex, please. Zoom in here. It's kind of hard. You can't really see it. But... Uh-huh. Anyway. He's trying. I have all different positions written down, and it's I have a player that I want, a backup player, and then a third backup player that I want. And this is basically how I plan my auction going in because – Okay, you have, and you have to write down their values too, uh, in parentheses. That's what I do. So I catcher, I have, okay, uh, I want Wilson Ramos, and then my backup is Wellington Castillo or whatever. First base, Joey Votto, my backup is Matt Carpenter. And this is for a head-to-head points league. So you have to know your scoring format too and which players you want to target. Second base, uh, Daniel Murphy, Robinson Cano, and a backup, if everything goes terribly, Ezreal Cabrera. You just have to, you have to plan. And this is what I do. Uh, you could bring it back to the middle here, Alex, while, while, while you zoom out or whatever you want. Um, you can plan. You, like, you have your, your first target that you want at each position. You have a backup, and then you have a second backup. You have three different players because an auction could go, like, if a player's going for way over budget than they should be, if they're going for, like, $5 more than they should be, then you're out on that player. That's where the discipline comes in. And then, you know, you move on to your backup player. And it's just, this is what I do for every position. At, for my outfielder one, my outfielder two, my outfielder three, my starting pitcher one, my SP2, my SP3. This is really how I plan for my auction. I have a legitimate target, I have a backup, and then I have a third option. And currently, Greg, that's what we're going through right now, trying to plan our auction for tomorrow. It's really interesting because we have two different styles of how we do this. Like, Ian Khan and you, you plan starters, backups, backup to the backup, prices next to every single player. And we saw it like, who do you want? Who do you want the backup to that? And I saw this as we were prepping yesterday. And the way I plan for auctions, totally different. Like, totally different than you do. So for me, I have an idea of how much I want to spend on a, on a certain level, right? Like, especially at the top, where that this is what we instituted. We have a certain number in our head that we want to spend for the first three players. And I don't care as much as you do, I think, on who those players are. Like, all right, in my head, or, and on paper, I have an idea of, like, what players I want. But like, if we don't get a certain player, I will get this player. Well, if we don't get that player, I'll get this player. Sure, whatever. Like, there's many different ways I can pivot, but I know in my head I'm not going over a certain amount for, the, for well, anybody. Like, this is 15 players in the first round, traditionally, in NFBC-style NFBC drafts. I know for the first round, I'm not, I'm not going to say it because people in our league are watching, I'm not going to spend over X amount for any first round player. And if they all keep going too high, then you know what? We'll get a ton of second and third rounders. I don't want to lock myself in to one direction at all or have a backup direction. Like maybe the backup to the backup. If our backup goes for way too much money, I'm not going to be lost. I'm like, all right, we'll go in a different direction. Maybe I'm too malleable when it comes to that and I'm just less stringent on this than you are, but I, you are just wanna, you're like planning over planning, in my opinion, that's great and it works for you. I, I just, 
feel a bit more flexible. Yeah, and there's no set way. There's no just, you know, one way to do this either. And, you know, if people are wondering, well, you have all these targets written down. Uh, do your teams actually look like this at the end of your draft? And the answer is yes. I've done this in my home league before, and I've come away with many players that I plan to get. Again, whether it's the main guy or the backup guy, whatever it might be, I, I plan this all in advance uh, for for my auctions. And most of the time, I mean, my, my team to a T is exactly what I am looking for. But, you know, the discipline comes in as well where, okay, you're going to plan for a player being worth this much money, but I've spoken about this a little bit already. If they're going for way over that, then you have to pivot. You have to go in a different direction. And that's that's kind of where I think I have to blend some more of what Greg is doing where he's saying he's a little bit more flexible where, uh, you know, if a player is going over budget, you know, he's going to figure it out on the fly. He's going to go in a different direction. Yeah. But when I'm figuring it out, I don't want to do it on the fly. That's why I have I want to have a backup. I want to have a backup to the backup. And especially for Roto, if you're planning for a Roto auction, you need to know where you're getting your stats from. It, it, like, the names don't matter. You need to know, well, where am I coming away with stolen bases by the end of this draft? Where am I coming away with batting average? So the way that we've been doing it, Greg, and I, I think it's working out pretty well so far, yeah. is when we're planning for our first baseman, Say player X is projected to hit 250 with 30 home runs. Sure. I want our backup player to be as close to, to 250 mm-hmm. and 30 home runs as possible. So we know, and there, you know, there are a lot of similar players in terms of what, it, what is expected of them. So I don't think this is too hard to do. But basically, you need to have those backup plans in place throughout, especially a roto auction, because you have to know by the end of this auction, where am I coming away with my stats? Where am I coming away with my specific categories? And that's where part of the preparation comes So from. I want to say this, where you're right and I'm wrong. It's a lot I different. I love when you do this. It's true, you though. Tell me I'm right. It's a lot different doing an auction in a rotisserie baseball league Way different. than in any other league, in a football league, in a points baseball league, in a points basketball league, in a head-to-head, in a head-to-head categories basketball league. It is entirely different doing it here because when you do it in all the other leagues... You can be more flexible because you're just looking for points. You're just looking for the highest score. Here, you need to find particular stats in order to compete. It is entirely different, and that's why, and what I have learned this week while prepping with you, Frank, is why we have to do it more your way than my way. Like, yeah, maybe I want to be a little bit more flexible than you do, and that's fine, but we have to do it this way to try to get with our backup options as close to our top option as possible because if we don't, we're going to completely screw ourselves elsewhere. And it took me a little while to kind of understand that and realize that, that it's just very different. It is a completely different game in what we're auctioning for. Totally. That's exactly right. And I think that's kind of where we went wrong last year. We kind I think of so too. had an idea. We had like some player targets that we locked ourselves into. Anthony Rizzo being the obvious we'll one. We'll never forget Anthony Rizzo for $37, $39, whatever it was. But we didn't plan enough for the stats. And then we were kind of scrambling throughout the draft, looking down at our team and saying, hmm, well, at this point, I think we need... Power. So let's go get a first baseman who is for power. Uh, let, we need stolen bases. Let's grab, you know, we ended up with like Adam Eaton. We didn't want him. No. But we thought, all right, he could give us 20 plus stolen bases last year. So, you know, we end up with a guy like him. It, it, you're completely right that it's way different in a roto auction than anything else. If it's a head to head points league for fantasy baseball or, or if it's a fantasy football auction, fantasy football auctions and head to head points leagues, fantasy baseball auctions are, look, you can. Find players who are going to score a lot of points at you know different points of the auction, and it's just it's easier in my opinion. 
it's like if if something goes wrong, if you really wanted, you know, Robinson Cano because he's good in points leagues uh, for a sec- as a second baseman, then you can pivot to another second baseman who's good in points leagues. Like you'll have your targets, maybe players you like more or who do better in points league formats that you'll be targeting, but you'll always be able to find those players. It's a little bit different in rotisserie where you need to know where you're going to get your batting average. You need to know how you're going to get your saves. Uh, you need to figure out how how much you're going to budget for your closers throughout the auction, something that we've already kind of figured out too. So I, I agree with you 100% that, I mean, it's just, it's a different beast than anything else. The rotisserie auction. It is. Uh, it is. And you, you pointed out again, we learned that, I learned that last year. And I know I was only there for an hour, hour and a half of the draft, but like, it's just totally, totally different. That when something doesn't go your way, you can't just pivot and just, ah, this guy's close enough. You have to write it down. You have to know yeah, their stats. And especially, like, the rankings, too. You can't just look, oh, well, this is the next guy. Exactly. The and that's a problem. Because right. Player A might give you 250 and 30 home runs. Correct. Player B might give you 300, 10 home runs, and 30 stolen bases. Correct. Completely different. Completely different. And that's what I've learned, and we're going to put it in action tomorrow night. More draft advice, including nomination advice, when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 It's calling the shots. Wow, gentlemen, better have a good plan. First you lose Landon Collins for nothing. And now this. Nick Friend 24. All of a sudden, the Browns are the most interesting team in the NFL. Imagine saying that two years ago. Giants are now clearly rebuilding. They'll be ready to compete again just in time for them to have to pay Saquon Barkley. We'll have tons of wear and tear on the tires. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Let me ask this. So, it's happening in my league. We have a keeper deadline. I know it's not auction related, but we have a keeper deadline. It was yesterday at midnight. One person had submitted three keepers. We get four in our league, as you know. And he said, I don't know who my fourth is. Gary Sanchez in the sixth or Scooter Jeanette in the 14th. I don't know who I want to keep. Okay, well, you got to let me know by midnight. Before I left work, about 6 o'clock yesterday, 
hey, who do you want? I, said, I don't know yet. You gotta let me know by midnight. He didn't let me know. He got pissed off about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, his baby was sick, went to sleep. She wakes up this morning. Everyone's like, you didn't take his choose a keeper. And he's, of course, starting to quit the league. If you don't, I don't, we don't give him a keeper. I'm just like, you forgot the deadline. That was not my fault. Mm-hmm. You forgot something. So now, everyone's, of course, calling him an idiot. And he's just like, well, I'm going to quit. If you're going to quit over a keeper, it's ridiculous. So then people are, so I'm the commissioner, naturally, which is the worst place you could possibly be in. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, all right, what do we do? What do I do in this situation? Do I say, all right, you don't get the keeper. You missed the deadline. It's your fault, which it is. And I, it's not like I didn't remind him. I did. And I could show everyone any text messages of that. Or do I let him pick a keeper and then get the rest of the league bitching at me saying, hey, you have a deadline. Why aren't you following the deadline? That was the position I was in. So I talked to him and he's like, why are we so strict about a stupid keeper deadline? Who cares? It's, I text, you're texting me in the morning. Like, what is the big deal? I go, I understand it's not a big deal. It's just one player in the grand scheme of things. It's not affecting anything. I understand that. I'm not trying to be irrational about that. But if there's a rule, if there's a deadline in place, I understand fantasy baseball is not the most important thing in the world, but like, you got to kind of follow it, right? Like, if there's not a, if you're not going to follow this, what makes anyone going to follow anything? Like, why do we even pay? Like, why do we pay? If I don't like my team after the draft, why do I bother paying, right? Like, it could go up to there. So I thought about this. And he, admittedly, he told me exactly who he wanted to keep between those, it was one of those two guys. So I said this to my group of friends just now. I go, here, I'm not letting him choose his keeper. That's going to be his penalty. He is not choosing his keeper between Gary Sanchez and Scooter Jeanette. I'm going to let the league do it. He told me he wanted one of these two guys. I'm going to let the league choose between one of those two guys for him. You want to use your own personal bias on that, whatever helps you, that's up to you. That's fine. Do whatever you want. But we let the league choose as a penalty. And I thought that was like the fairest way. Like, or whatever. We knew he was going to keep one of these two guys. He's not going to bitch. He gets one of the two guys he wanted anyway. Let the league choose. That was my commissioner decision. You know what happens now? The league's bitching at me. Like, that's the dumbest decision you could have did. Just let him pick who he wanted. Just, or, or don't let him pick. Why are you pushing the decision on us? Why couldn't you just make the decision? Why are you doing this? And I'm just like, literally, there's nothing I could have. You play with a bunch of crybabies. I go, literally, there's nothing I could have done right in this situation. I'm giving the league the opportunity to do whatever they want. Putting it in the league's hands. Jeff, Jeff the Jet fan. That's my guess. No, Jeff's saying, Jeff, Jeff actually responded in this. He, he's got to be the most rational one of all. I'm the, I'm the rational one of all. Eh. He said, quote, not to undermine Greg, but I think Jay should just tell us who he wants to pick. This seems silly. So I go, you mean you're directly undermining me? Jay as in Jay Wolf Studios? No, it's Jeremy. This is a different guy. Yeah. Well, I think it's stupid. Everyone's just going to vote in their best interest, which you can. I'm giving you that opportunity. This is Jay's fault. Vote in your best interest. Do whatever you want. And it's a 12-team league. Yes. Do you get a vote? I mean, of course I get a vote. All right. I was hoping that you wouldn't get a vote so that it would just finish 5-5 and then you're at another dilemma. You had I, another stalemate. I get, I get a vote, so it'll be 11. I, I, you know what? I will say this, Greg. I'm very proud of you. I think you handled this uh, very fairly. I think you're doing uh, something that's very just. I would have... Isn't that like a fair way to do it? I feel like it is. I feel like your league is uh, being a, a bunch of crybabies right now. Yep. I'm being completely honest. Sure. And um, I wouldn't have allowed... I, I would have just said, just you're only allowed three keepers now, and that's it. Yeah. That would have, would have just been rules are rules. That's it. Right. Sorry. I mean, there are a lot worse things going on than, you know, Odell Beckham being traded that you can't choose. With well, I mean, he's, so his Odell Beckham got and traded. yesterday, too. Odell, like, then, in the middle of the day. In fairness, his, his, baby, his baby got sick. I'm not, okay. say, and I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't take way more precedence, obviously. Definitely. 
But, I mean, I talked to you at 5 o'clock, you were at work. I talked to you at 9.30 in the morning, you were at work. Like, you have work to do, I get it. Flip a coin, whatever it is. Whatever it you want. Matter. Just give me a name, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, if you, if you, you had you, all off-season to choose two. Correct. It doesn't have to be yesterday. Procrastination. And we had talked about this repeatedly. I mean, look, I wouldn't have allowed a fourth keeper. That's just me. That's fine. I would have said rules are rules. I actually think you're doing the most fair, just thing, and you can't make everyone happy, and in turn, you're making nobody happy, Greg. And the best thing is, <laughs> so if you're texting him now saying, hey, who do you want me to pick? And that's fine. Do, do whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. Do whatever you want. But if you don't vote, then whatever the vote says, how many people vote in 24 hours, that's it. I'm done. Sure. Make a little poll. I did. Right. I can show it to you. There's three people that are, they're all bitching all in our group chat. Three people have voted. Okay, what is the vote looking like right now? Uh, two of the three people have voted for Gary Sanchez in the sixth. One person has voted for Scooter Jeanette in the 14th. Ah, what did poor, you, what would you poor vote Scoot. For? What would you vote for? Hmm. How many cashers do you start? Uno. Do you have a second baseman and a middle infielder? Nope, just second base. Gary Sanchez. That's what I voted for, too. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the auction strategy. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good fantasy baseball discussion. It was, it was a great, it was a great uh, commissioner dilemma. Sure, you're not the only one who's ever had anything like that. It is the worst. Being commissioner is the worst. Yes. I actually, just, act, just to put a... It's proven there's nothing worse in life. Just to put a no. bow, just to put a bow on this, is, I said in the group, my last comment before the show started was there is literally nothing I could have done right in this situation for any of you. So I give you the choice and you all still bitch. It's remarkable. That was my quote. And now you know how Vince McMahon feels, Greg. And now Jeff says, by the way, Greg wanted to be a hard ass, but I want, wanted to pass off the outcome to league members, which will in turn piss Jay off more, which shouldn't be pissed in the first place because he's getting a fourth keeper, even though it might benefit him the most. They're what like, is wrong with you? They're him? like way micro di- dissecting That's kind of what he does. They're, uh, yeah. It's like you're you're being psychoanalyzed as a fantasy commissioner here. You, trying to do the right thing. That you have all like these undermining motives here. Is, is that the truth, Greg? Well, they must think that for a reason. Maybe you have a reputation. No. Of my reputation. Of deception. Is, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I don't know. Why would they think this of you if you didn't have that reputation? No, they just think that I don't, don't want to. I want. I'm too diplomatic in certain times, certain terms. Like, I don't want to piss anybody off. I want to leave uh, The know. old uh, Democratic Greg Sussman. Correct. But then they get annoyed because I was the champ and the commissioner, but I couldn't make the day they wanted to do the Spending lottery. Champ? Yes. Hate, 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 hate. So they want, they want to do the lottery on a certain day that I couldn't make it. I've told this story. And I said, screw that. Like, I'm going to be there for it. But then it wasn't good enough for them. So we did the ducks on the show. And then, whoever, the first, of course, the person that got 12th pick pissed off that we did the ducks. And we couldn't, he couldn't be there for the draft. I'm just like, this is ridiculous, man. This is why being commissioner is terrible, and I recommend it to nobody. Well, what's the alternative? Pay a random outside party to, to be the commissioner? Has no affiliation with the league, no bias? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, what the alternative is here. I got nothing, man. There is no answer. Somebody else has to do it. Nobody else wants to do it because everyone knows how terrible it is. I think you just got to stop caring about what people think and say so much. I guess so. It's your friend. It's hard, you know? Yeah. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I've ended many a friendships over fantasy. I feel like you have, though. I really have. I don't want to do that. I'm crazy. I don't want to do that. Um, you said, oh, it's fantasy baseball. You know, I realize it's not the most important thing. It is the most important thing, Greg. Why else are we here? That's right. Let's, let's, let's win an auction, Frank. Let's do it. Let's help everyone else win an auction. Yes. Okay. Nomination strategy. Particularly yes. in... In fantasy baseball roots history, where again, 
It's very, not very different. My nomination it, strategy doesn't change based on format. It doesn't? No. Okay, how come? It's the same every time. Okay. Uh, early on in the draft, I'm going to throw out players I have no intention of buying whatsoever. Uh, they're going to be cost a lot of money so I can get money off the board. And I know that's a very popular answer, and someone might try and pivot and do something different and you know, trying to be contrarian. Well, you know, this is my nomination strategy. It really doesn't make sense to do anything else. I know, Greg, that I don't ever want Jose Altuve on my team this year. I'm fine if he's the first person that we nominate because he's going to take 30 to $35 away from somebody else's team, and that puts me at an advantage because I have $30 more than another team that is now also bidding with me or against me for certain players. So that is a very common strategy. Very common. I'd say that's I don't know mo- why you would do anything differently. Oh, I, I, would do, I do things differently. Tell me. So I think that's the most common strategy, which Frank said. When you nominate players, you don't want to just get money off of them. I have more stuff than that, too. Like, I'll, I'll also nominate players at positions that I already own. Sure. That I don't need. Right. So just get that out of the way, too. Right. So, so the very strategy... Particularly stra- put them together. So the, put high-priced players that you don't need anymore. So the very crux of that strategy, as I said, is just putting players on the board and, like, people spend money on guys that you don't want. Just take money off the table. And that's fine. They're, that's a sound strategy. There's nothing wrong with that. There's also a strategy, especially going along with what Frank said in that second half of that statement, in nominating guys, like let's say there's a tier of players at a certain position, and, and this goes for any sport, putting guys in a position many, uh, in a tier, and there's one guy left in the tier, and everybody knows there's one guy left in that tier. If you already have that player, you nominate him. You nominate him. You let people just go wild for this dude. But of course, if you don't have them, then you want to wait and wait and wait and hope that guy doesn't get nominated until more money is ultimately off the table. But along that tier line... Yeah, we've got to talk about tiers. We do, but along that tier line, I think about nominating players that I do want a bit earlier. Like, starting off a tier, because oftentimes, and I've said this when we came to football, when we did our football auction preview, that the first guy nominated in the tier is often the cheapest. You nominate a guy, and everyone says, okay, he, you, you set the market, essentially. The market. You're setting the market at a certain price. And when it came to wide receivers, all right, Antonio Brown went for this. The thought process normally is, all right, Julio Jones will go for a little bit less. Odell Beckham will go for a little bit less. DeAndre Hopkins will go for a little bit less, and so on and so forth. But it always doesn't go like that because no. teams get more and more desperate. So because it, of that it, desperation— I will guarantee you it never goes that way, ever. Sure. So because teams are more desperate and in desperation mode— they overspend. And that's why when we have a tier, I'm more apt to be aggressive earlier on in the tier than I am trying to pounce later. Now, will that hurt you sometimes? Yeah, you'll spend an extra couple dollars on maybe not even the player that you were going for. Like I know in the first round tomorrow night, like we have a guy that we want. It's going to be really interesting. And, we, a, back, and, a, and, back and a back of who we really like as well. Which I, I think I like a little bit more than you do. I'm, I might have actually changed who I like more. We'll oh, really? Okay, okay. But let's just use that. Let's just pretend that you, we do. We have two guys that we really like that we think are similar enough that are good enough for our team to be our first-round pick. I'm going to be really tempted, whoever the first guy is, to go after him. Aggressively. Because then if we don't get that player, we're, we're going to press to get the backup. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, I, and that backup, who I believe... I know what you you said you're changing it, but like right now our backup is the cheaper option of the two. If he 
if he then goes for more than that initial option, I'm going to be pissed. And I'm not going to want to do that. Because that's not what we budgeted for. That's not our plan. And I'm going to not want to do that. And then you're going to get upset because we didn't get either of our top two options. And we totally have to pivot from where we were. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it just makes it really, really, really tough. So do we throw out the player that we want first if he's not off the board by the time it's our nomination? I don't think it's a bad strategy. I don't either. If neither, I know I said that. I know I just said that. I will. I'm always going to try and get money off the board. Right. But I hear what you're saying here. If neither of those guys have been but nominated, you get yet, your guy. I want to get my guy, and then it'll just put me in place yep. going forward. Yeah. Ideally, I have no problem with doing that for like your first nomination yeah. to make sure you get. And this again, this more so has to do with this rotisserie baseball than anything oh. else because you could pivot in fantasy football yes. much easier, and I believe than you could pivot. In fantasy baseball, rotisserie scoring. So I'm not opposed, potentially, I'm not saying we're going to do this, but nominating the guy that we want first, seeing if we get him, and then being able to pivot after that. Like, it'll give us more time to game plan, ultimately, right? right? Like, if we don't get him, which is possible because we're going to stick to our budget more than anything else, that's another strategy for you, we're going to stick to our budget more than anything else, we are giving ourselves the longest opportunity to be able to pivot, I think. It opens up more possibilities. The earlier, the earlier that we know we got him or we didn't, will open up more possibilities. Yeah, and I can't agree enough with the uh, with the point about the tiers. You, there are three things that we're gonna go to this auction tomorrow with. I'm gonna have an Excel spreadsheet open where we can keep track of our players and how much money we're spending. I, we're gonna have a list printed out of our rankings, and we're gonna we're gonna have all those players in tiers and. Is a pen? I don't know. But make sure that you have your, your rank. Oh, and I'm going to have the sheet with, uh, with who we plan to get, obviously, that I mentioned that I have in the notes. Uh, so I'm going to have those three things. You have your player rankings printed out, or, I mean, whether you want to do that on the computer as well. Um, and you're going to have them set up in tiers because Greg's right about the first player who's thrown out in a tier. Let's just use the top three starting pitchers that are going in drafts right now. Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom. If Jacob DeGrom is the first one thrown out, I would say 8 out of 10 times, he's going to go for cheaper than those other guys because he's the first one being thrown out. People might be a little bit hesitant to throw money around early on in the start of the draft. And then once Chris Sale comes out, people are going to be like, oh, well, this is the next ace up. I got to jump in here. And then if Max Scherzer or whoever, whatever order they go in, the one that is thrown out last of those three, people are going to realize, hey, this is the last of the first-round starting pitchers that's available. He's the last legitimate ace. I got to get in. Like, this is, this is a, a, the end of a tier. So you just basically take your rankings and you group them into players of specific skill sets. Or you could even do it by round. Hey, these are first-round players. These are second-round players. These are third-round players. You could tier your players like that if you want. But just realize that... Once you're getting towards the end of a tier, you want to either jump in early in a tier or sometimes in the middle if it's a bigger tier. But if you're jumping in on the last player of a tier in your rankings, more often than not, everybody else also knows that that's the last player in the tier and everyone's in a frenzy. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. You, know, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about my top 12 starting pitcher rankings. Those are you know, the legitimate aces or the workhorses in my opinion. If 11 of those guys are gone... The 12th one is going to go for more than 
his auction value says he's worth. Theoretically. Now, I've been in... Uh, it doesn't always happen, but I would say, again, like eight out of ten times, Totally, totally way. agree. Like in fantasy football this year, DeAndre Hopkins, for whatever reason, was the last big wide receiver off the board, and he went for the cheapest. I was shocked. Like, I overpaid for Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham thinking that I was getting great prices on them. Ultimately, it didn't happen. Everyone invested in the running back position. It was very weird. It was a weird, it was a weird auction. So I have seen it. And that's another thing, too. Like, every auction is different. You can't... You can't really look at auction results and just yes. kind of translate them and say, oh, well, you know, in, in this expert auction, um, AL only, Chris Sale went for 35 bucks. That means I could get him for 35 bucks in my AL only. No, it doesn't mean that. You go for 45 bucks in your auction. Yeah. It's like every auction is completely different. You can't just look at one and that's why you need to be prepared and you need to know how much players are worth and you need to identify. A, which players you want. B, which players might be overvalued at their current auction price. And C, which players might be undervalued. Yesterday, Greg, two specific players I brought up to you. Tim Anderson and Ahmed Rosario. We were trying to figure out who we want at shortstop. I say, these guys are going for around $12 in NFBC auction. You said, oh, I'm out. I actually agree with you. I think they're overvalued. It's amazing because we are looking at several different resources trying to see the prices all over the board. They're all different. All over the board. It's all about that room. We'll talk more about auction strategy before we get into football for hour two. Come up next. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Game time decisions. Like my picks were good. My wins were like good wins. And then my losses are like just brutal. I can't even, I can't even defend. I can't even defend myself. I know we have George Kurtz here. Uh, my uh, Columbus pick over the eye. I, I have nothing nothing to say about anything. You got to give it up on Columbus. They're overrated, bro. Oh, oh, they, they, are. they were good to me once, but George Kurtz is good to you once. They play 82 games a year. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up good points. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Only on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Back with you, fantasy best friends forever. 
here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And the NFL Scouting Combine is coming gone with the 2019 NFL Draft just around the corner. For serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL Draft content each and every day of the year to give you the edge, regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, available right now at rotoexperts.com. With RotoExperts going to NFL 365, well, if you want your baseball coverage, you know where to find it? It's Frank Stample's Patreon page. It's very cheap. It's $10 a month, or it's $25 a month. And if you want to spend $25, you don't just get rankings. You don't just get articles. You get Frank's private message. You can slide in whenever you want. You got a question at 3 a.m.? Frank better wake his ass up because you, you need his help. You don't, he doesn't have a choice. He has to help you. If for whatever reason, you're on the West Coast, you're drafting late at night, you're into the wee hours, and that means Frank's got to get up. He doesn't like getting up, but for your $25 a month, he will. It's Frank's Patreon, Frank Staffel's Patreon page. And if you don't think you need that, you just want his rankings and projections, I get that too. You just want a list. You want to make your own decisions. That's cool. I will never kill someone for doing that. That'll cost you 10 bucks a month. It is so well worth it. And it's all available right now. Frank Staffel's Patreon page. Check it out, please. Again, I cannot tell you enough how much it's worth it. Appreciate that, Greg. I just want to give a shout out to two guys who just signed up for the, uh, basically, Frank's Your Fantasy Slave option. Chandler and Brian, uh, we've already been going back and forth. Some some private messages here talking about their leagues, uh, what their keepers are. I've sent them my rankings. We've been going back and forth, talking a little bit of strategy already. And I'm sure there's going to be much more where that came from, Greggy. So I appreciate your efforts, and I appreciate everyone who's been signing up. It's been fun. Yep. So let's get back to the auction. Oh, yeah. What I found, I said this going into the break, that you can't just use a website to, like, give you the ideal prices, not even make the ideal prices. Because it's useless. Like, we're looking at what? We're looking at the athletic, and we're looking at fan graphs. I don't want to contradict ourselves either, though, Greg, because we're telling people to look up their values, to know what players are valued at. But you also have to put some of your own effort into it as well. Yes, you'll use some of this as a guide. It's kind of like ADP. You'll use projected auction dollars as a guide. But ultimately... You write down next to the player what you think they're going to go for. If, you know, if the Athletic is telling you that, uh, let's say, J.D. Martinez is ranked at 38 bucks, but you like J.D. Martinez a little bit more than everyone else, maybe you bump him up to 42. These are just some of the things that I'm talking about. Maybe you just do it for specifically the players you're trying to get and those backup options. Just know what you want to spend on that player or maybe even a range of like $2. Like, hey, I want to spend, you know... 12, 13 bucks on this guy. I know that that's what I'm willing to spend. Yep. But I don't want to tell people, hey, just don't use like auction values that you see. It's got to be a culmination of things. Like, yeah, you use it as a guide, kind of like ADP, but then you also come up with an auction value yourself. You figure out how much do I actually think this player is worth. I just don't want to, I don't want to contradict too much. You know but, what I'm saying, Greg? In all honesty, it's I not don't. that they're meaningless. I because think they are have, meaningless. I'm sorry. Been using, we have been using a lot of what we're researching well, as a guide. Well, yes and no. To me, the more, usually, the more helpful thing 
is looking at the prices from the year prior in your league. Which is also what we've been using. Which is what we're doing almost more than ever. Like, we realize, we're trying to use that as a guide to learn, to see where we went wrong and price-wise. Like, find the players that we had didn't exactly fit well. But we thought we could have done better with some of the pricing. Like, we spent a little bit too much money. Um, we went two stars in Scrubsy. We were having too much fun. We had a great time. Great. And the problem is you're not going to stop drinking tomorrow, and you'll have another great time. I don't even know if I'm going to drink tomorrow. I love it. I haven't told you yet. I love the intensity. Yeah. It might just be water night for Frank. I might have a beer. All right, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but then water. And then water. Yeah. And then water, for sure. The point is... No food either. I'm going to... You're not going to eat dinner? All right, but we got to do it before the auction. Why? Why can't we eat during the auction? Because then we're, Greg, I'm telling you, laser focus tomorrow. We're I winning this thing. I will not miss anything tomorrow. I am going to be so on my game tomorrow, you're going to be impressed. You're impressed right now with how, with how prepared strategically I am. I'm, in, I, I'm enjoying this. You're not, you're not, not impressed. I'm enjoying this. All right. Point is, using last year as a guide can be very, very helpful. So number one, tell you where you went wrong. You know the players are wrong. Maybe the prices aren't what you want. For instance, last year, Frank and I realized when we were going through our research yesterday that we were too top-heavy. We spent a lot of money on our first three to four players, more so than we planned on, number one, and players that just didn't fit each other, number two. Like, we got guys, we had no speed. I think we spent $120 on our first three players last year. We had Bryce Harper over 40. 45. I think we had... Anthony Rizzo was 39, so that's 84. And then we had Scherzer at 42. There you go. We spent $120 on our first three players. Don't do that. That's too much. Don't do that. It just puts you in a bind. It really just puts you in a bind. The... I don't want to say the less you spend gives you more flexibility, all that's being true. You got to go out and get players. I don't want you to ever be scared of going out and getting a player. But we realized with so many players in fantasy baseball, I mean, these rosters are 30 players deep. 30 times 15 is what, Frank? Uh, a lot. He's like 450 players. 450 players right there. A little quick math for you. Same. 450 players. You want the ability, the flexibility later on to be able to go out and get guys. Like, we weren't able to do anything for the players that are in the $10 to $20 range last year. We couldn't be in that market. That's a bad ra- and that's a range that I really like this year because I was talking about that and yesterday sure- and I've continuously talked about it. That mid-round, you know, picks 100 to 150... There's a lot of players that I like in that range. So I wa- you're right. I want to have flexibility where I could jump in on some of these $10 to $20 players. And when we say, you know, every auction is different, if people are spending money heavily early on, this is where some of the values come into play, where some of these mid-range players, we might actually get for even cheaper sure. than they're projected to go for because people might just be Absolutely. throwing around money. People might have been throwing around money. They may not have the same projection as us. They may not want them Absolutely. as much. That's, that's completely right, too. That's why I say, again... Find your targets and then come up with a projection and auction value that you think suits that player. You know, we might love, let's say, Eloy Jimenez. And his projected value might be $12 in a 15-team auction. If we love him, we bump him up to 15 and say, hey, we're willing to go this high for a player. Yes. Everyone else might have him at 9. You hear a lot of people talk about that during the auction, too. Oh, I, I had this player at 11. Yeah, yeah. I had this player at 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great, that's a great value. I had... I had Max Scherzer at 39. You got him for 37. Oh, that's great value. Mm-hmm. You'll hear a lot of people talk about that during the auction. Yep. Also, while we're on the topic of just like talking, don't be too annoying because why? I think now I feel like now you're talking directly to me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, there there are things that happen. Like if I'm sitting next to someone and they're talking to me too much while I'm trying to Focus. miss out on a player who's being bid or something like that, it's very frustrating. I mean, again, Greg. 
laser focus. Uh-huh. We're gonna have fun tomorrow, no doubt about it. I feel it. like we don't want you don't want me to have fun. No, 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 we're gonna have fun. I can't eat, I can't drink, I can't talk. What am I allowed to do, Frank? I don't know. <laughs> Alright, maybe I'll just follow those rules and you you'll just be the uh you'll be my minion. You'll go I'm around. Not your minion, dude. We are co owners. You're minion. I want you I want you to be the guy that annoys everyone. <laughs> you just told me not to. Well, shh, no one else knows that. Oh, everyone saw us last year. <laughs> everyone saw us last year. They hated us. The problem is, these rooms, when it's with your friends, it's, it's more jovial. You, you talk crap to each other, and it's last fun. Last year was very serious. So last year, it was Team BFF. We knew Adam Rodas in the league, of course. Nando and Dane were in the league. Um, and we knew Tim Heaney a little bit. That was it. Oh, we knew Jeff Piacente as well. So we knew, like, half the league, I guess. A little less than half the league. And they know us. Like, we're, we're fun. We're younger. And these people, for the most part, not all the people, not all of them, are sitting here on their computers and you can watch me like this. This is, this is a great video. Staring at their computers, looking up when it's time to bid. Just looking up. $10. $25. And I'm just like, that is so boring. That's not, that's not fun. The auctions in fantasy baseball in general are supposed to be fun. So you're going to go what I did last year was I was very excited. And yeah, I had Frank and, and Mike be able to do research while we were doing this. But me, literally, the second anyone would nominate a player which was high value, they went, all right, I'll nominate uh, Bryce Harper for $9. I would just immediately scream 27. Immediately. That was our thing. That was our thing. And people laughed a lot at the beginning of it. And they're just like, oh. God. Some people liked it. We became friends afterwards. Ian Khan. Ian Khan. Big loved, fan of Ian it. Khan. Yeah. Piacenti loved, loved it. Dana Nando, huge fans. Everyone else? Rodas kind of just Probably like, hated it. Rodas didn't care. Like, Rodas just like, whatever. You guys are annoying. It's just like, oh, you know, when, who's, who's throwing out the Mets players? Yeah, That's Ro- what I want to get. Rodas just like, whatever. But other, play, other players in that draft were just like, can these guys shut up? And I was hoping that my goal was to get them off their game by doing that. That's where I actually... But it also really tires you out. That's where I actually think... You know, people think we're at a disadvantage because we have so many people. Well, last year we had three people. It was me, you, and Florio. Florio, not here anymore. Florio, if you still, still alive, actually. Florio, if you still want to participate, you're more than welcome to, man. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. Like, what is he going to contribute Nothing. from... Nothing. You know, from across the country. Nothing. But we actually are at an advantage because you can be bidding while I'm kind of just like... That's the plan. I'm the one who's like... Okay, Greg, jump in. Mm-hmm. So, I actually think we're at an advantage. The problem is going to be, though, is being on the same side of things. Like, there's certain players that you like that I don't, and vice versa. Well, that's why we do the pre-planning. We're trying and to. that's why we figure out, you know, which players we really want to target beforehand. Do you think there's any rhyme or reason? This is a popular question you get on auction. When the auctioneer, and this doesn't have to be a live auction, it could be a, an auction online. When the auctioneer goes, all right, going once, going twice, and then people have been going twice— is there a strategy behind waiting to bid rather than just jumping in? Uh, definitely. There's definitely a you know, psychological what either is advantage or disadvantage. What is it? A lot of people don't like it. They don't like when you let the, the countdown go all the way down or the auctioneer get to going twice and then you jump in. People get very frustrated by that. So when you want to talk about throwing people off their game, you could do that. Just don't get caught, too. We should talk about price enforcing, Greg. Go ahead. Because... If you have a player priced out at a certain value and they're going for way under, you might want to bid that player up a little bit just to make sure that someone's not getting a player for too cheap. But don't get caught because that happens where 
You'll try and jump in on a player to bid that player up and make him go for the value that you think that player's worth. Next thing you know, you got a $51 Mike Trout on your team, and that wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. So you got to be, it's strategic. As for what you were asking before, Greg, I, I was going to ask you. Sure. What is your strategy when it comes to bidding? How do you do it? I kind of switch. Because back I think to you both. have to. I think you have to change things. I do. Up. Like if people, if you're bidding for on players that you want, yeah, you can't just have the same style of bidding because then everyone's going to know when you're actually in on a player. If you only bid on players you like, then they're going to know by the like by the fifth player. If you've won the other four, they know, okay, this person's only bidding on players that they want. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bid that player up. I know that they're not going to stop. Right. They're gonna, Until they are, do. People are going to try and get you that way. Until they do. People are going to try and get you. So I think you have to change up your bidding strategy a little bit. Maybe jump in on a player you don't expect to get on your team when the bidding is a little bit lower. I'm talking like, you know, $5, $10 lower than what they're projected but what's for. What's the point of that? Just so you throw people off. So people don't exactly. really know what your bidding game is. I, we have talked about... You would about- be surprised... I think people pay attention to when other players are jumping in. We have talked a lot about strategy yes. and having to you know, figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. We're having to have a team of two people. A lot of the players that we're playing with tomorrow night and in your own auction, they're a single person. Do you have the capacity to do all of that? Seriously? So pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Pay attention to how you have to pivot. Make sure you're flexible. Bidding yourself. Crossing out That's players. a fair question. Look, you're not going to pay attention to every single thing that's going on. No way. But Greg, if you win... Four players in a row, and you're only bidding on players that you want, and you've gotten the four players, then I'm going to know that when you're actually act aggressively bidding on someone, that this is an active target of yours. You kind of have to put on a little poker face here. Sometimes jump in on the bidding, even on players that you don't want. Plus, it's just really fun anyway, right? Jumping in on the bidding, trying to mess around with people. But again, just don't get caught. Don't, don't end up bidding too high. But while the bidding is low, jump in. Try and, you know, change up your bidding strategy a little bit here and there, just so people don't they can't really predict I think that's who you're like, going for and who you're not. I think the idea of that is right. I just you don't, don't have to bid on every player, Greg. I mean, of course. I just think that one feels like, I'm going to do it if I can. Mm-hmm. If I can't... Well, that's why we saved it for the end of the hour. It's, not, you know, it's, not, it's, the most, it's not the most impactful. It's not imperative. Yeah, it's not um, most, so a lot of the times, I'll show my aggression on a player early, and I'll keep going if I want them. A lot of times, I'll wait and see where the market stabilizes, and then... Then I'll jump in. That's kind of a strategy that I have, Frank. Um, like, the market kind of is where it is. It's set at the prices where I want it. Like, I'll, I'll dabble and see if we can get them and see how high they'll go. Like, see, and so a lot, another thing is how quickly people respond, right? Like, if you're going back and forth, you want to show that you're not going to stop, potentially, if you really want a guy. So if you have a player as like a $35 guy, right, and someone just jumps in, $31, I would immediately respond, 32 it's like, all right, I'm not going to stop. You ever jump bid? You ever, you ever go $2 up? I do. They're uh, at 31 33 so Throw people off a little I'll bit. tell you when I do that specifically. This is yeah. another good auction strategy. If the number's at 28 I will go to 30 Because people are scared of jumping into that next tier, essentially, the next yeah. 10 So I'll go to 30 It's $1 more than 29 I'll go right to 30 I think people are nervous about that. Like especially if you their have limit that, is at that 10. Especially if you have that player price at like 32. Especially. Like you're not going to be worried about it. Right. That. Even if I had that player price at 29, I'll go the one extra dollar if I think that means I'll get them. One dollar. Don't get caught. One dollar. I think if it, it's one dollar. this out because if you do that tomorrow. One dollar? I can't get the, the number one player that we want. I know what our number is for him. If I go one dollar over, you're going to be upset? I don't no. think so. Yeah. No, I won't. But then you best believe we're getting Tommy Pham. 
We'll see what Dr. A says about that. Yeah, oh, we got to get an email from Dr. A. Did he answer? He has not yet. Oh. You're on the email, Frank. Yeah. Because, man, Tommy Pham's dealing with a shoulder injury. He's only been DHing in the spring. I'm a little worried about Tommy Pham right now, so kind of freaking out here. Let's see what happens with Tommy Pham. We will. We'll obviously see what happens um, with Tommy Pham and his injuries and whatnot. And we have a lot of options. I think we, we still have a lot more work to do. We figured, oh, yeah. out, we figured out a lot. We have to really As do- of right now, we have uh, what seems like we have our two catcher positions locked up. Yep. Planned out. First base pretty planned first out. First base, second base, third base, all pretty much planned out. Corner infielder, we have ideas. Uh, the top player we want in this draft, we have ideas. And then we already figured out our, our top two pitchers. And our top two outfielders, too. Yeah. So I would, you know, even if you want to set up your budget maybe that way a little bit more, where this is something new that we're doing this year, where we're saying, this is how much money we want to spend on our top yes. pitchers. And then you kind of figure it out. That, that you could be a little bit more fluid with throughout the draft. Because if you say, for example, hey, I want to spend $50 on my first two pitchers, then I know I can go $32 on my first pitcher, and then I can go $18 on my second pitcher. So you could be a little bit more fluid with that, but just know, hey, my first two pitchers, this is how much I want to spend. My, my two closer options, this is how much I want to spend. Tweet at us with any other questions you have for the auction. Chris Venture comes up next, talking a little NFL football. Stick around. More on your way, on the way, right after this.